everyone, this is Fran, and I watched that is back from hiatus with a new interview featuring the lovely Joe Vanicola and the amazing Winnie Wong. Listen to us talk about inclusivity and diversity in the film and TV industry, working in the middle of a pandemic, Firecracker Department's TIFF brunch this Sunday, the importance of community, and what we've all been watching. Reminder, please follow our socials at I underscore watched underscore that. Let's get into it. Here we go. Interview with Joe Vanicola and Winnie Wong. Yeah, do we do we start? I don't know. What do you think yeah. of the storm today, right? There's going to be like a crazy storm in oh, Ontario. Yeah. Is yeah. there? I, I say like, why not? We've got everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the wildfires, COVID, you know everything else going on in the world right but uh, yeah i didn't even know that there were storms coming mm-hmm. yeah tornado warnings oh oh real storms it's not, yeah. like, a, it's not like a like, we're not just talking weather <laughs> we're talking. Like, storm storm, like hunker down and fucking power everything up kind of <laughs> i didn't know that it's good to know thank you <laughs> i didn't watch the news today <laughs> anyway well uh oh sorry you go ahead no i was just gonna ask kyle because i didn't ask him how are you oh i'm good i'm good (laughs) it doesn't seem like there's gonna be a storm friend it's like really nice outside (laughs) (laughs) do we ever know anymore (laughs) but then you know sometimes it just you know randomly rains out of nowhere because that's what how canadian weather is (laughs) yeah um so yeah i mean i'm happy to be here and uh thanks for having me and us and winnie and uh I, yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat. Well, thanks for coming. It's like a little yeah, tiny you. startup podcast. So it's like cool to have you here. Like yeah. totally fangirling right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all good, right? It's all good. You don't you can fangirl if you want, but you don't have to. I mean, I'm just, you know, it's all normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Kyle, did you want to start? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll start. <laughs> Um, for our listeners who don't know much about you, why don't you tell us about yourselves? Um, how did you start in the industry? Uh, Joe, we can start with you. Uh, yeah, I, I actually started as a child actor. I, my first game oh. I was eight with uh, Sesame Street and the voice studio oh. in Montreal as a child. And uh, then I started doing film and TV as a teenager. Um, you know, ended up doing a professional, uh, getting an agent and all the things as a teen. And then just stayed in the industry um, for decades. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just sort of kept happening. Like, you know, some people go to school endlessly because they can. I've just been in the arts endlessly because I have been. So <laughs> it just kind of evolved from, uh, from youth to now. And so, um, you know, I've expanded to, you know, writing and acting and screenwriting and a lot of advocacy work and uh, you know, uh, yeah, book writing and, you know, so, 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 the, so it's expanded a lot, uh, since the beginning days, but yeah, that's a snippet. Winnie. <laughs> what about you, Winnie? Uh, me? Yeah, I know. It's like the secret's going to come out now. Um, I actually started when I was a kid in arts as well. Um, I was a ballet dancer and I was also a visual mm-hmm. arts person. Like I painted a lot because my parents just wanted to know, how to control this hyper kid. I know it's hard to believe now, Fran, but I was a hyper <laughs> child. <laughs> and um, so then through university and everything, I found the love of film um, because I first went in as a visual arts major and then I came out uh, a film major and uh, worked with uh, great directors. So I worked with Norman Jewison for seven years as his executive assistant. And then I moved over to David Cronenberg's office and then I fell into publicity and have my own company and also keep the production and going with uh writing and directing and uh yeah that's that's it in a nutshell too yeah I'm impressed with Winnie (laughs) (laughs) thank you I didn't know you worked with Norman yeah I worked with Norman for seven years so interesting and just a little history here because when the film Mm -hmm. center started in Toronto I was one of the um you know, in that first year, I was an actor uh, okay. in workshop uh, for an entire year there, uh, oh, wow. but they didn't have an actor's program in the first year. It was simply just a director's program at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but Norman would come all the time because it was year one. So we were really, you know, we had lots of fun um, in that, in the beginning days, because we were, we were all like these rogue artists at the Canadian <laughs> Film Center. It isn't what it is now. Now it's this, you know, functioning institution. But back in the day, it was like anything that started year one, right? They get all the cool artist cats showing up and Norman and we'd all hang out wow. all day. It was really, really cool back in the day. So yeah, I just thought I'd say that because I, I didn't know that there was a link there. Too. Yeah, there is. It's it's so cool that you're one of the OGs of the, the film center. Because... I don't think anybody even knows. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you hear heard it here first on I watched. That. <laughs> That's yeah. when we had VHS. <laughs> Remember VHS? <laughs> okay, we'll move on to the next question. Um, how do you think the film and TV industry are doing in terms of inclusivity? We know why inclusivity is important, but maybe you can explain to the audience why in 2021 inclusivity and diversity are a big thing. Whoever would like to go first. Yeah, whoever would like to go, <laughs> Joe or Winnie. Go first this time, Winnie, I went first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the hot seat now. Um, well, for me, it's like growing up when I was going through even the film program and it wasn't that long ago where I'd be the only, not only female, but only mm. Asian person in the program. And um, also looking around while I was studying, we weren't studying Asian women filmmakers. We were studying mm. white, you know, yeah. Caucasian mm. filmmakers, usually male, usually a little older. And um, some are brilliant because we've learned a lot from them. However, um, I think it's, for like for us and the future generation too it's almost like the role models if you look in the mirror does someone look back at you who's the same as you um and also the stories like the stories I feel are really important because there's a lot of misconceptions and um it's not to educate and it's to entertain and to educate I guess because it is the mirror um the idea of the mirror going hey you know um, this person is like me, I can be a filmmaker because I was working with um, the Region Park Film Festival and one of the people that came up just to the office were saying like, what do you do here? Like, are you a director too? And I was like, yes. And this little girl who was 12 thought, said to me, I didn't know that women could be directors. Wow. So that's very telling. And um, that's why parts of why I think it's important. And I'm mm -hmm. gonna hand it over to Joe and I'll probably uh, piggyback on what Joe said. <laughs> but you know, that's so sad thinking about how recent that is really like the Region Park Film Festival that mm -hmm. a child of this era or this mm -hmm. current generation would, would actually not know that women could be directors. Like that just is stunning to me. Cause I, I mean, I may not have known that 20, 30, whatever, however many years ago, 30, something uh, but um but it's a little bit mind-boggling that that yeah. a child now would would think that I just think that's kind of a little devastating actually um, yeah it, it is a little devastating however um she's on the road to becoming a director because after she had the conversation with me like we were working again I was working mm -hmm. in the office again because I was back and forth and when she came in again she goes I'm working with my mom and I'm talking with my school guidance counselor to see how I can have the credits necessary to get into a film school. So that's kind of like, Amazing. I was just like, you know how like I'm already a lightweight. So I was just like bawling. She's like, it's okay. Oh. It's not sad. Like, no, these are tears of joy. Because, you know, um, it, it's, it's one of those things where, again, it's like the mirror thing where she's like, well, I know great directors um like Ang Lee and um I'm trying to think of other Asian this is another thing too it's like you know there's a handful of Asian um directors too and then she was just like I just didn't think it was possible mm -hmm. you know so now she's working together with her parents and mm -hmm. friends counselor so that's kind of like yay good story yeah yeah thanks. well um, I yeah no you go ahead Joe I was just I was just gonna you know um, carry mm. on with that and mm. just sort of, yeah I think like um, for me 
uh, I never saw reflections of LGBTQ people ever. Mm -hmm. um, and if I did, I wouldn't have known that they were LGBTQ because at the time it may have been some kind of a stereotypical, either flamboyant gay man. You never knew he was gay, but he acted gay on the screen. And maybe culturally people would think, well, this guy might be gay, but it wasn't really a thing that you talked about. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there might be a woman, but I never saw any really, not even, nothing, no one when I was a kid. So I, I had no idea uh, that, that even being queer was a possibility because we couldn't talk about that. That was just didn't exist in the culture. There was nothing in the culture, let alone in film or TV. There was nothing anywhere that represented uh, LGBTQ people. So it was very lonely and isolating. Um, and I came out quite young, even though like, I had a public career, uh, but I wasn't one to be quiet. Uh, I didn't think career first, life second. Yeah, could I should have maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> I thought, no, oh, you know, I'm a young feminist and I'm, you know, at a time when even saying you were a feminist was an ugly word, uh, probably still is for, you know, in the culture that we live in. Um, but I didn't want to hide. So in my, you know, I was out publicly in my twenties and then my career started to really get challenged as a result of that, because I wasn't a femme. Uh, so as the years advanced being non-binary now, um, you know, then I might've been considered butch, although I wasn't like the butchiest, but, but that was the only thing I could think of to mm -hmm. identify with until we've created this new language, which I, which I much prefer because, I think once we expand the understanding of gender or gender expression in this culture to be more than what exists in the binary, like male, female, that's it, that's all, um, the, the, the bigger our, our, our culture becomes and the more um, inclusive. And so it was all kinds of doors just kept opening inside my mind and, and culturally. And so like the, the I, I just can't stop talking about it <laughs> or trying to create works about it because I feel like I, my life depends on it and the life of other people depend on it and so mm -hmm. I'm always looking for for comrades uh, across the way not just LGBTQ people or women but you know BIPOC people and the people who deal with oppression in the culture and how do we come together and how do we um, hear each other listen to each other learn about our lives together uh, what our differences are and what our commonalities are and how do we contribute to art and culture in a way that advances um, the conversation and helps young people like that, you know, like that 12 year old, mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's my goal and desires to have other people not experience what I did uh, as somebody in the film industry um, growing up. And so that's why I do what I do and why I write and advocate and um, yeah, I can't stop talking. <laughs> Keep on talking. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. You can talk yeah. as, as much as you want because <laughs> that's why you're both here is so we can listen to you talk. But um, I totally underestimated how much time these questions would take. So I'm going to put in some extra ones that we had. We're like, no, I think four is enough. That should take up the whole hour. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us about Trashed, Joe. Like, uh, mm -hmm. what was it like bringing that story to life through a narrative film? Well, it was a little bit rough because, of course, it's COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't know why I was inspired to try and do something during COVID, but it was. Because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we do, right? As, as artists and people, we do the best we can in difficult circumstances. But it, uh, Trashed was really... Um, you know, I think because there are so few opportunities for people who are non-binary or trans or on the gender, you know, spectrum uh, that aren't in the binary, uh, that I just, I, I just wanted to create opportunity, not just for myself, but for other queer people to participate. Sorry about that. There's no okay, don't worry about it. I'll get rid of that noise. Um, including crew and, uh, you know, anybody across the board who wanted to be part of the process. We sort of... Um, you know, tried to make it a diverse experience uh, across the board. Um, that was part of the goal, but really to expose what it's like for somebody who's living on the margins, somebody who's dealing with addiction, uh, who, you know, short story that, you know, this kid or this person, this adult was, you know, somebody who had to leave home as a, a young person with parents who were homophobic. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's the exploration of what that is for an adult who's been, 
uh, addicted and on living precariously and on the streets uh, and, and, and trying to cope with, um, with love and loss and grief uh, in, in, in a particular time. So it's, it's, it's a short, I, I don't know, I sent it to Winnie, but I don't remember. Yeah, so, so, you know, I mean, it's a micro budget short and, you know, I could probably re-edit it and do a bunch of things to make it better. But at this point, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And, and I'm not sure um, where it will air at this point. I'm just trying to get into festivals and see what to do with it. But um, it's a slice of life. And it's a drama because I'm kind of, um, you know, that's sort of my storytelling sometimes comes from that place. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, thank you for sending it to me, Joe, because I had a chance to watch it over this weekend. And um, without giving away too much, but giving away some stuff, um, the performances, holy shit. Like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Like the, there was, um, I don't wanna give away too much, but the chemistry between the main character and their significant, well, ex, I guess, partner, holy. And the way that uh, that was put together and told you could feel the tension and the push and pull and also like again I don't want to give away too much it's like you're not in the same room but you could feel the chemistry Hmm. like it's just oozing Hmm. out of the screen so cool comment I like that (laughs) yeah and uh performances like I can't even I'm like almost speechless and that's very rare when I start talking about performances (laughs) because they were so good and it was like one of those things where I was watching it and I was on the edge of my seat because I didn't know what was going to go like happen. Yeah. And, and throughout it, it's almost like um, your book in a way where I was just like, is this person going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the, un, the unanswered question, but that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the, the co-star, so I, I was acting in it, but also Khadija Roberts Abdullah, who's a fabulous actor. And um, so it was, it was, yeah, we, we, we had a really good couple of days of working together, even though we were separated, but tried to stay as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a lot, you can't really tell what it's about, of course, because you haven't seen it, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you. That was a really sweet movie. Thank you. There's more notes coming. Just- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So what was it like to um, film during COVID? Because we had to film school projects during COVID. So we know mm-hmm. that it's like, ugh, you know, but like, what was your experience yeah. with it? Um, for me or Winnie? For you, Joe. So I was also acting during COVID. I did a, mm-hmm. I did a, I worked on a series for an, uh, about, you know, six episodes and I did an episode in another series and mm-hmm. that was intense and then and then shooting my own just after doing this other show which I can't mention because they'll kill me mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> NDA signage and you know they, mm-hmm. they want to kill you if you talk about it um, <laughs> but it was intense because you I had to you know you have to constantly get uh, tested like within 24 hours mm-hmm. and uh, you're constantly masked and visored and you, you can't really get close to anybody. And it's an unusual experience, I think, for artists and crew to be separate because we're so used to being touchy and um, physical and in space. We share space together. So we had to separate as much as possible while in space together. And that's a really weird feeling to, to, to be in that environment because there was a layer of disconnection for for I think most people because you can't even see crew because this mm. is what you see this is what you see right if that so like it was an unusual way to work and yet every single one of us was so intensely grateful uh, for the opportunity to live our lives and to have a job um, and to have purpose and uh, deal in a pandemic with other people in a way that was protected. You know, some other sets, maybe not so. So I think it Mm -hmm. could be very, very complicated. Doing trash was very scary because I was responsible for and actors and and everybody's safety. Mm -hmm. So that took on a whole other element that terrified me. I mean, literally I was terrified every second, like, you know, make sure we're distanced, gloves, masks, the whole thing. How do we eat individual meals? You know, please don't breathe in the same space. I mean, all the stuff that we, we have to do and that we've learned to do. So it's very difficult 
uh, while trying to shoot something um, and, and make it seem like you're not in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's satisfying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I, cause I'm not considered essential crew when I work, do my publicity gig. So I'm not on set um, and we take it virtual. Mm. And that's a weird thing too, because usually you're there with the talent. And as Joe was saying, like you share that space, it's almost like the kinetic energy of everybody bouncing off of each other and you get all excited. You're like, yeah, that's the best interview ever. But then I have to go back on Zoom and go, yes, this is the best interview ever. And you just see, you know, uh, like a medium shot of me. Um, And then (laughs) it's like, it, it, it works though, because we've all adapted. And I, I'm very also like Joe, thankful that um, I'm working during this pandemic. So, and I'm working with a bunch of, of really cool filmmakers who, um, you know, I can't imagine having a film released right now because of there's already a pressure when your film is releasing, but now you're thinking, oh, the theaters aren't open. And mm. as a filmmaker, and I'm sure you, we can all attest to, we always have this sort of, dream that oh my goodness I'm going to see my film on the big screen and for Mm -hmm. a time that didn't happen because Mm -hmm. everything was being released digitally and depending Mm -hmm. on the type of screen you had it might be like a little computer screen or (laughs) you know some people have some gigantic tv so you could go over to those people's friends if you're in their bubble (laughs) so um there's that and then also I'm working on a few projects that I have an NDA on where I'm working on as a creative producer so we're doing that over zoom and in writers rooms it's kind of fun in that when we're in person you can like Joe says touch them go no that's kind of good or yeah that's great and pat them on the shoulder so we've um, worked out like cues when we're in the writer's room where it's like a thumbs up or a good job. And now that emojis can go in the corner, we've been doing that. Uh, so we've been making it work. Mm. What about the both of you? Have you shot, like you were saying that you had to shoot through the pandemic. Y- yeah, well, you have the documentary class, Kyle. I did, yeah, that wasn't too difficult to do. Um, I only did one short film, but technically we did it before COVID. Like we did it oh. the week before COVID, right, Fran? So I guess I sort of didn't count because we didn't have to like mm-hmm. deal with masking and all that stuff. I uh, think God we finished it because it was like the week before, like we finished it. And then the week later it was the shutdown. So we were very like, you know, lucky in the fact that we got to finish the because uh, another, uh, group didn't actually get to even finish their film because Mm-mm. they got shut down unfortunately it's like really bad timing for them what was your film my film i did i actually wrote it um it was called oh we changed Clement, clementine well we changed the name actually halfway through we called it 11 11 based on the like the clock yeah. yeah um but yeah it was about this kid coming home to his abusive father like a like from like like on like a like a like a school break or something like he's from from college um yeah it was it was it was intense I never had to work with 10 people before and um I wasn't the producer my friend was but like I also just have to keep everyone in check and it was very difficult sometimes (laughs) a friend would know because she was actually the producer (laughs) a lot of like late night calls being like Marvin, please do this. I need you to do this so badly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an experience. It was very, it was very fun. The other one, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, also because I only worked with two people. It was just two of my friends I worked with and that was it. And we only did, um, we did interviews, but it was, it was distance and then mm. somewhere outside and almost all the, like the B-roll was outside. Mm. Yeah. And also, luckily, we finished, the, we, did, we were filming that in COVID, but we finished it before, um, like, before the second wave got really bad. So we were also lucky in that way, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, friend, talk about the film you, like, literally filmed during COVID. Yeah, because we had the one around the mm-hmm. same time as, as uh, Kyle's first one, so the week after everything shut down. But then for yeah. our film our last film class it was like 
before Christmas we were filming it. So mm -hmm. from like having crews of 30 people, we could only have 10, including cast. So it was like 10 people, like five and five. And then, like you said, Joe, meals individually wrapped. Our teacher made us film everything outside. We couldn't use actra actors. Um, but then with our group, literally after the first day, our director's like, Ugh, guys, I feel sick. I, I have aches. I have a fever. We're like, oh, oh no. Maybe so like, nervous. Right? When you told all, me, that, I was like, oh no. Yeah, we were all panicking. We're like, okay, just get away from us. Go to the hospital. Uh, well, I know on one of the shows that I did, it was like a really big production with a massive budget, like nothing that mm -hmm. any of us indie people would ever have. Um, and at one point, like there was a crew member that had COVID. Tested oh, wow. COVID. So literally within 24 hours, the entire schedule and crew was shifted for the next 14 days. So it was like, these are the scenes you're doing instead. And this is the crew you're working with instead. <laughs> so wow, like, that's crazy. It was like oh a machine. My gosh. It was like intense and, and fast, but lucky for them because they had big budget. But I don't know what you do with an indie project when you're just like a few people and you're scratching dimes together, right? Yeah. yeah. And eating whatever you can eat. <laughs> Out of yeah. bag. <laughs> it was definitely like scary then we had to call the teacher and he was like okay you guys are shut down until she gets her test results back and like even though she had a fever and she was like sick the hospital didn't even want to test her they're like no you're not severe enough to get tested and she was like crying like my teacher says, you need to get me tested so weird. it was negative it was only like yeah only a kidney infection like you know but it wasn't COVID, which was right? even oh my god it was a kidney <laughs> infection poor Anna it was pretty bad um, um, so we had to like postpone it two weeks and we went last in the dead of winter when it started snowing and everything. So whatever, it was finished. It's not the best thing ever, but. Um, I liked it, Fran. Oh, thank you. I see your films now. No. You just say no. Fran, this is better than mine. I could say that absolutely for no, sure. No. <laughs> but I totally get what you meant about like, being responsible because I was the producer so I was like walking around like everybody get away from me get away from each other put your masks on don't go near anyone yeah. it's scary very yeah. scary yeah COVID fun fun filming but it makes us stronger right it's a mm, it yeah. character. <laughs> Man, also it was freezing when you filmed Fran absolutely freezing cold wasn't it like dead of November like December this, what it was in this oh yeah you did because you had to move then the, the cameras oh, and everyone my god had yeah yeah, yeah oh. it's, it's funny in one scene it goes from like sunny to raining to snowing <laughs> all in like five minutes i didn't notice it <laughs> funny that's really funny <laughs> yeah we're like did you see that like maybe they won't notice it's just a long conversation they were having yeah. <laughs> you know how it goes sometimes of course and then the actors are mad because they're cold and we're like come on we gotta do this sun's running out we gotta do this now yeah. <laughs> but enough of awful student films um, <laughs> so this sunday is firecracker department's tiff brunch so like how are we feeling Winnie how do you feel like planning all of this with the team I know it's been busy yes it's been really busy um and it's really funny because at the beginning I was um talking about my career and uh now I'm involved also with the firecracker department as the head podcast producer um I'm an actioneer I'm part of the social justice department and uh there's probably some other things I do, but I don't remember. You help with the <laughs> blog. You help oh, with yes. mm -hmm. lots of stuff. Winnie. Yes. Um, Fran and I, um, well, Fran does all the heavy lifting for the blog. I just uh, do little notes here and there. So um, yeah, the planning, I'm specifically in charge of uh, the red carpet. I'm the head producer and director on the red carpet. And enveloped into that is the Blaze Awards. So um We'll be talking about that in two weeks. <laughs> and we just announced Vanessa Antoine. I, think, I hope I'm pronouncing I saw, it right. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, we worked on being Erica. I saw that connection and I was just yeah. like, yes. Yeah. I didn't mean to do that synergy. But <laughs> <I did. laughs> um, so there's Vanessa and a few others. So if you stay close to the uh, Firecracker Department social media channels, you'll see all the updates because We'll be announcing them throughout the week up to the red carpet. And uh, it's what I can tease about is that it's a very well represented carpet and also different 
points of life mm -hmm. and um, points in their careers. So that's why it's going to be the coolest. And there's some really cool, cool people like Joe Vanicola. And uh, <laughs> I'll be sending Joe also a list too. So uh -huh. Joe will know before public. Mm -hmm. ah. <laughs> I'm being a tease here. <laughs> so um, that's my part. But I also know that um, there's, a, there's another side of it, which is the TIFF brunch, which is a private event that's invite only. And it's on Zoom with a bunch of breakout rooms like the mentorship room, um, uh, the script room. There's going to be a trivia room, um, a writing room that's hosted by someone here. Oh my God, <laughs> Fran. Fran. Um, am I missing a room, Fran? Wellness? Did you say wellness? Yes, there's a wellness room. How could I forget Emily Churchill's room? Mm. Yes. So, and that brings us to that brings us our, to you, Joe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so how do you how does it feel being the Blaze Award recipient? That's so cool. Like, how do you, you know? Um, you know, like, hey, uh, I, I think for me, it's always an honor for, to be recognized. It means that um, people take notice of not, not your necessarily just your career as an artist, but who you are as a human being. And to me, that's um, more valuable as I get older. Uh, the older I get, the more I cherish uh, the connections of people and the, um, the inspiration to be a part of change in the world. And to tell stories that actually really matter, <laughs> that aren't just fluff pieces and things that people make themselves busy with, but um, that are invested in changing the world and, and bringing education or attention uh, to a slice of life that someone may not know about. So to be honored by, by Firecracker Department for, for who I am, and I think that um, that is beyond my acting, just shows that, you know, the hard work that you never really um, think of as public, for example, like I've, I've run a nonprofit and I work a lot around anti-violence issues and child abuse issues and, um, you know, LGBTQ issues. Um, I've, you know, been a longtime activist. So all of those parts of my life are really, really important to me, um, you know, more important in some way than, than the arts that I, that I use as a vehicle. Uh, but without the arts or the advocacy, I don't think I would manage to to live in my skin in a way. I don't know that I can, I could know how to be on the planet. I don't know if that makes any sense. And it's a bigger answer than well, how does it feel to win, you know, to be receiving the Blaze Award. But I think all of those components, because they, you know, it was a hard journey along mm -hmm. the way. Um, you know, with your head down and you just you work and you go and you go and you fight and you and you write and you advocate and you know you show up at midnight or all night or whatever it is that mm -hmm. somebody needs you or you know, whatever, whatever that, that work is. And so when you put your head up and someone says, oh, hi, you know, we want to, you know, honor you. And it's just like, oh, well, oh, cool. Okay. Well, you know, thank you. But, but I don't really think about it as an individual thing, because I think um, that there are many women and queer people and people of color who have done the work way before I existed <laughs> and that I got to learn from all of those wonderful people uh, and in my very small way, try to make a dent. And I say small because it's not necessarily the work that you'll see all over the news or in grand places, but, um, you know, it's a very lovely um, honor to be, to be selected and recognized um, by my community and my peers in a way that um, makes me feel less isolated, I suppose you could say as well, right? Mm. So that, all that stuff matters, I suppose, enough for people to to want to do this so so that's really cool yeah that's yeah. great <laughs> and, and it's, it's it, it is really cool because like um i'm gonna read a quote from naomi sneakus who's the founder oh. of firecracker department and just to give you a little indication of uh, a little background of why we chose joe it was a unanimous unanimous decision to have joe as our blaze award winner this year whether Joe is in front of the camera, behind the camera, or at out actratio, they approach everything with integrity and a joyful heart that inspires others to want to create and lead with the same level of passion, vulnerability, and drive. We need more Joe Vanicolas in the world. 
super sweet. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Naomi. <laughs> yeah. And just as a side story, um, when Naomi and I, we got on this Zoom call with Joe to tell Joe that uh, we were going to, you know, bestow this wonderful honor on them. Um, I got really teary-eyed just because I do feel like the quote embodies what I feel as well, because it, it was a unanimous decision across the board too, because it's that integrity part and the giving back part and the just joyfulness that you bring to everything, Joe, that is just very infectious. And I was just, that's why I was a light, like a, such a lightweight. I was like bawling. We kept like, when he's just a lightweight. <laughs> he's just a lightweight. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and we couldn't think of anybody more deserving this year. So I wish I could hug you. See, that's what I miss. You can't even <laughs> hug anybody. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> well, I know it's interesting to hear you say that, but thank you, Winnie. You're just so, so, so sweet um, and lovely and kind and gracious. But I, I, I don't always think of myself as joyous because there's so much mm-hmm. difficult in the world that I think we all understand what the difficult is from our own perspectives. And uh, I think that it's really hard to find a balance when there are so many complex and traumatic things that are happening every single day. And just even, not even just the mainstream news, but just that we know in our own communities or, you know, that, that we don't have equity or that we do have a pandemic and people are so hateful out there and angry. Mm -hmm. How do we sort of balance that and how do we uplift each other in the process of this? And I think we all struggle to do that. And yet somehow we sort of, we strive to do that with each other, for each other, to make to make sure we're okay in some ways, I think, because we're all so separated and isolated uh, still. Um, and we, we don't really have a new normal yet, uh, I don't think, because we haven't come out of this pandemic. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, so it's sort of the balance, you know, the joy is not always there, but certainly, you know, stuff like this is a reminder of, of the joy and take moments to, you know, connect with people and, and try to inspire each other. So I think that's where the joy comes from is from inspiration and hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, you know, admitting that there are, I guess, bad things that happen and the negative things mm-hmm. that happen, that's what com- the joy comes out of that. Um, and also the whole idea of the community that you were talking about, not feeling isolated. And that's one of uh, one of the main goals and um, pillars of the firecracker department is about community and supporting each other. So, yeah. Yeah, and there are great women in that in this um, organization too. I mean, just we're not used to seeing people. I said this last time too, and I really, I really mean it. We're not used to to to, to people in our industry supporting each other in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in in school, I don't, I don't know, in in you know, in university and stuff, in film school, perhaps there is a level of support or in small clusters, but we're not used to as an industry being kind to each other and and supporting each other and showing up for each other. And so like, you know, firecracker department is somehow like an organization that changes, changes the way we operate or think in the world. And I think that's, that isn't in and of itself a type of advocacy because we need places and spaces like firecracker department to be able to inspire other girls and women of every, you know, um, race and gender orientation as well. Um, Non-binary, trans, girl, uh, to to step up and to be with each other, support each other, uh, create art together and um, recognize the talents in each other. And I think that that's a really a gift. Yeah, so I hope it continues for many years to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it has potential to be an awesome thing definitely it, it already is but it has yes. mm-hmm. it is it is growing we can feel yeah. it Brandon yeah. and I can feel it growing all the time yeah. it's it, it's it's really um as, as Joe is saying like being in this industry and there are some supportive like non-supportive people and hopefully when it's about the community that you surround yourself with that are supporting you and um it's really funny because the way Naomi and I met, it, I don't know, Joe, do you remember the story? I'll tell it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like telling the story. Um, there's the, 
I was representing a film called Never Saw It Coming and uh, Tamara Padensky's in it. And uh, we were at an interview with Naomi um, and a really hard part came up that Tamara was talking about. And we were all sitting in the room because I was the publicist sitting back in the room crying and crying. And then I would walk across this like the creakiest floor ever while the interview was going on trying to give them like some tissue so then we can all um soft off our tears and then from that day on because Naomi saw me out of the corner of the eye and said it's okay we can cut this part out let's just get tissue and then we had the, the group hug and then continued the interview so um and it, it was just about in that little moment where we were all there for each other mm -hmm. is part of that community and um that's my first uh look into firecracker and i guess i'm still looking into it and helping i do remember that story i just didn't realize it was the story of, of that interview with tamara so. yes that's when um yeah yeah it was a very powerful moment and it just felt like a safer space so we were just all supporting each other and, and I, now i'm going to be a lightweight because i'm starting to tear up oh, <laughs> true. you know when i think about that too and i think back to my to my teen years and uh, adolescence and young 20s and 30s even um you know when we talk about representation and back then girls any girl uh you know they, they were flies on the wall or objects uh and or you know characters that could be assaulted and it would be fine because that was just normal I mean, all of those things were things that we ingested constantly and uh, negative messaging about who we are in the world uh, that we absorbed every day on our television sets, in our institutions. And I think we're still trying to unlearn that crap and to elevate the culture or to change the culture or protest uh against the culture mm -hmm. uh the systemic issues that we consistently come up against and can't seem to shift like i mean the pendulum swings but it's so slow and then the backlash happens just you know i don't want to get into a difficult conversation mm -hmm. but certainly you know what we see in texas mm -hmm. uh in terms of women's you know rights to you know their own medical care and to make decisions for their own bodies i'm not trying to start a debate I'm just saying mm -hmm. that's how backlash works and that's how like systems get undone. And, you know, the work of somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets mm -hmm. eroded um, after however decade, how many decades of dissenting so that women could have any rights. Um, but that's a slippery slope, right? Because once you start doing that with certain things then other things start to, you know, fall away or get dismantled and uh, not in the good way, <laughs> not in the good way. And so I'm very worried about the way things are going in the world. And that's why places mm -hmm. like Firecracker Department are really necessary because it's about artists and thinkers and writers and actors and all of us coming together um, from various spaces um, you know, in our world uh, and, and, and elevating each other and having conversations about these things and trying to document them in the work that we do. And I think it's really, really necessary Oh my God, I'm talking too much again. No, no, no. no. never talk enough. Because yeah. <laughs> I was going to just add to that, like Naomi always says this, and we always say this um, when we have meetings and stuff that with all that stuff, like the, you know, um, uh, I, I don't want to be too, <laughs> or hinged to those things that, those stereotypes and those like deep seated um, hate, because that's, that's all I can call it is just hate. Like mm -hmm. people can, fluff it up with like those academic words, but it's hate. Um, and when we talk in meetings and everything, we're like firecracker amplifies all other voices, all BIPOC, non-binary and women voices. And it's just, it's just something that we're trying to change the way people like see women in the sense of amplifying these voices because there's the alternative to this other stuff. And um, I get very emotional about it too, because growing up, um, I guess we, 
like Asian people were called the model minority because like we wouldn't really say anything like we or I I'm gonna uh, I don't want to speak for everyone but I wouldn't really say anything because I would just be told to keep my head down and keep working and just you know don't cause any trouble and just get really good grades you know that kind of thing that's been ingrained also in my culture because of years of oppression um, in other ways but it was really cool when the social justice department was um, ignited by Sedna and the group, which Fran is also in, um, where I knew that I was speaking up because my mom's a firecracker and would speak up, but it's not that I didn't know how to speak up. It was like the permission to give myself to speak up because of all these years of, oh, just, just be quiet, it's okay. And also with Firecracker in general, amplifying everyone's voices and shining a light on all these amazing artists who are like Joe and Fran, um, who are doing so much in their community creatively and just everything. And I'm getting a little verklempt for all you listeners <laughs> um, that um, it's a great place to be like it's just you know if if I need a shoulder to lean on you know I'll have Fran and then if Fran needs a shoulder to lean on you know she has me and same with Joe you know like it's and same with you um Ryan <laughs> as yeah, an ally yeah. really so I mean it. it's it's just really cool yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right sign me up I'm I'm, I'm in now <laughs> <laughs> oh i think that's like a great way to wrap up our our time well not wrap up like you know like kind of wrap up um ending it on that note of like community and like you said joe like you know you're we're isolated and it's been great having firecracker department there and meeting all these awesome people and networking and connecting with everyone because then we have this interview and that's awesome so it's like isn't that the magic of like life or whatever it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> the way we like to wrap it up is um by asking our guests what they're watching or like what they've been watching lately because it's called i watch that so like if, it, if we're not doing interviews kyle and i are like shooting the shit about tv shows and movies <laughs> we're watching that's a good description <laughs> it's okay i'll put the explicit thing next to the episode they they know they can't watch it oh it's okay oh no they should definitely not watch whatever we're talking about <laughs> so kyle and i can go last because we watch way too much uh but joe winnie mm -hmm. what have you been watching whoever wants to go first what's yeah. Been keeping you occupied if you have time to even watch stuff i don't know you both seem very busy so. <laughs> i never sleep so i watch stuff in the night okay <laughs> winnie what are you watching yeah anything. am i watching okay um i because of all like a lot of my friends are watching white lotus I just I've heard of that. Watching. I heard of yeah, that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I was just gonna say White Lotus. Twinsies. <laughs> yeah, it's so. I can't wait for second season. I just oh. I burned through that whole. I I did too, Winnie. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just finished watching it last night in the middle of like literally in the middle <laughs> of the night, <laughs> and I had to get up for an audition. But I was like. <laughs> I literally had to set my clock two hours early just so I could watch my Lotus and then get up and memorize. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's like it's one of those shows that you don't think they're gonna push it there, mm -hmm. but they do. Oh, okay. Really? That's interesting. I'm oh. intrigued. Where do you find it? I think it's on Crave Room. It's an HBO show, right? Yeah, it's an HBO. Oh, yeah, it's probably on Crave Room, yeah. It, it's, yeah. worth, it's worth watching because you, you you're right Winnie. you just think and you think that the writing is going to be like a stereotypical or you know things you've seen before and then it's just like what did i just see what, <laughs> what did i just hear <laughs> so holy shit that is so right and true and accurate and stunningly brilliant and oddly really dark really funny and very dramatic all at the same time oh. I, I just think it's kind of stunning really how they manage wow okay that yeah. sounds really good yeah and it's also the satirical aspect of it too that i'm just like this is so good <laughs> so good 
it's it's like we're trying not to give too many spoilers no, but yeah, I can. <laughs> but it's it's one of those like to deal with like the whole oh my goodness it's the storm coming in um that's why i'm suddenly dark i know i can um, hear it <laughs> know, you were right you were dead on if I suddenly disappear um, (laughs) um, it's even the satirical and like the like how they deal with the privilege and not privilege Hmm. and and colonization oh so smart it's like wow oh yes I can't even say because I I know driving me nuts okay but Joe do you ever scream at the screen when you're watching it yeah, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Which we can watch together. <laughs> we should have a watch party. We have a watch party, but we've seen it already. But I would watch it again, actually. Me that's too. like Really, I would watch it again. You know, some shows you'll watch more than once. That's mm-hmm. one of them. Oh, and okay. season two is supposed to happen in like the same sort of, you know, how like um, resorts have all the, they're like um, different resorts all over like the Caribbean or all over the world, but named after the one thing. They're going to go to another location. Oh, 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 I see. Premise without giving anything away. It's like all these white rich people who essentially go to this resort, a very fancy, expensive resort in Hawaii Uh and all the smoke and screen, uh, you know, of what happens in a real, in the real world, in the real culture, when you live in that environment where Mm -hmm. rich people vacation. Uh, where they hide the reality of, you know, colonization or racism or poverty and all those things. And it all just comes out in a way that's really smart. (laughs) Who's your favorite character? Belinda. Is she the one that has the one with the dead mom? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me too. Was it Belinda or was Belinda the one that was, is that her? I don't or the, the cranial sacral woman. Anyway, I forget their names, but she's my favorite. Yes, the Dead yeah. Ashes woman. Oh, that episode. Okay, you guys have no idea what we're talking about. No, no I, I actually love when this happens. <laughs> <laughs> I like sifting through the information. I'm like, right? mm-hmm. I was laughing my tail off. Yes. That episode with the ashes okay. on a boat. That's all I'm going to say. Damn, yes. I want to know. know. And, and it's almost <laughs> like, um, what do they call it a macguffin where Mm. like there's something in somewhere where no one wants to look in but just the notion that it's in there is like um making everyone curious because throughout and i don't know if you felt this joe i'm like is she really carrying around her mom's dead ashes all over the place yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's one of those like I'm going to be a little cynical until that box gets open, you know? People do weird things, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of weird things that happen in the world. <laughs> anyway. Okay, we have to we have to watch this. Dead, dead I know, I'm intrigued. Ashes, like, I'm it's very all, intrigued. Honestly, the writing and the acting is mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, that's it. Thoroughly that's it? That's Are all you- you're watching? Well, I just I just finished watching it. In the oh, of the okay. Night, so it just literally in the middle of the night. So <laughs> yeah. What are you two watching? Um, yeah. would you like to go first, Fran? Or no, because I just brain farted, so I have to think about. Oh, it. okay. Well, I just watched. I've been watching this new show. It's like a Hulu show, but since we in, we're in Canada, there's no Hulu, so it's on Disney Plus. It's called Only Murders in the Building. Oh, and it's with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like such a interesting dude <laughs> trio. But um, it's like about um, it's like this like crime comedy show, and it's about them. They're all they're neighbors, but they don't know each other until um, they all find this um common interest in the fact that they look funny enough. They listen to like podcasts, mm-hmm. listen to true crime podcasts. And then one of their neighbors get murdered. So then they have, so then they uh, take it upon themselves to find out who the murderer is. And they make a podcast, like documenting them figuring out who the murderer is. It's like, hmm? It's real or is it fictional? Oh, it's completely fictional. Completely fictional. Yeah, it's completely fictional. But uh, it's just like in the style of true crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, but it's really good though. Like Martin Shore and C. Martin's so funny. I actually even watched it with my dad. I was like, I think you would like this show because I know you like these guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he really likes it. Mm-hmm. And Selena Gomez is also really good in it too. I never seen in like a role like this for her before. Um, yeah, it's like, it's really funny, but then it's also very like uh, true, like really sad in some moments. It's, mm-hmm. I think they balance the drama and comedy quite well. Even like the music's really good too. The the, the, the opening theme, like the opening uh, like intro, the, like yeah, like the opening sequence is so cool. I like the way they they did it in the in the style. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I really recommend it. It's only just came out though, and they re- they do it weekly. So each I think on Tuesdays it comes out uh, each new episode. But yeah, I really liked it. I didn't even know about this show until last week. It just popped out of nowhere, and I was like. Oh, this seems good. And I was like, oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, so that's the last show I watched. Though I watched a movie recently. I watched the Shang-Chi, the new Marvel movie in theaters. Good? And it was, um, it was amazing. It was so good. It was great to see, like, a Marvel movie in theaters. I haven't seen it in such a long, I haven't seen it for one for, like, two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to the theater. I'm just, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, I get it. I get that. Yeah. I'd like to, but I just can't do it yet. Yeah, yeah I get it. Fran, what did you watch? Um, uh, I just, I've been re-watching stuff because I just love re-watching. So <laughs> I'm, I re-watch, when I get anxious, I re-watch Mindy Project or Schitt's Creek or Criminal Minds mm. because Criminal Minds calms me down. Criminal Minds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you like seeing people get murdered and see how they well, <laughs> calms you down because you don't think about your issues you're like who did it you try to figure out <laughs> and you forget about everything else going on no, I, I i can get that, <laughs> yeah. that. no so disney plus <laughs> colonel minds on disney plus uh wow i did not know that <laughs> yeah it's weird. I don't, it disney has really it. changed <laughs> well, it's i think it's because they um usually and i think in america they would put all the shows that disney has that has like you know not for children on hulu but like they don't, oh, they have, don't have it here mm-hmm. so they i think they call it star and there is a parental block control and you either mm-hmm. unlock it or lock it basically that's what my brother had to do when that okay. thing came out i think it was like a couple of months ago this year they they have like a bunch of shows they have like they have like Futurama even, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Family Guy, How About Your Mother. The show I even talked God. about, the Only uh, only Murders in Building, it's like TVMA. It's like they swear, there's blood in it. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that? I hear like something out there. Oh, did you hear something? Yeah, it's coming yeah. right now. Yeah. Do you not, did it not hit you in Richmond Hill yet, Kyle? I think it hit me and now it's hitting you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, pretty. But it stopped raining. I don't hear it anymore. Damn it. <laughs> well, I guess this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for like coming here, Joe. Like yeah, you're a busy you're person. You're a cool person. Thank oh, you. It's all, it's all good. It's all mm-hmm. good. I just want to say, I just want to say one thing. If there's anybody young out there or even your age mm-hmm. out there, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that, you know, different generations that um, you know, I, I, I want you all to know <laughs> that being queer, being out being a feminist uh you know uh, being proud of who you are your race or your culture or your gender identity all of those things are really important to internalize because we internalize all the junk so much and i think if we come together and um you know continue to stay connected um we we can find a way to make some change in this culture and i don't want you all to give up out there just keep working and keep trying and reach out to the people that inspire or you know that you want to learn from and maybe you can teach them something and just know that your voice matters so mm-hmm. keep, keep keep working out there everybody oh i love that thank you so much that's a great message yeah, that was and, great and winnie don't cry thank you for coming to winnie <laughs> <laughs> but like cry if you want to it's a safe space yeah of course <laughs> oh, i think she's crying I'm just gonna be like, oh, no, 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 no. I just, I just want to say that because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I just, it's a hard time right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. And, and the reason why um, there's tears is not because I'm sad. It's just because it's happy. Because the more we say things like this, um, the better the world can be. Is as easy mm-hmm. as it can sound. Because words are very powerful, and um, the more positive we can be. And without 
um, you know, neglecting to, to look at history and what's happened, but to learn from it and just to just be positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Thank <laughs> Thanks for tuning into episode one of our second season where we had the joy of talking with Joe Vanicola and Winnie Wong. Thank you for coming onto our show and spending an hour with us. Listeners, follow them on their socials, which can be found in our episode description. This was a fun way to get back into everything. We'll be back with a new episode soon. So stay safe out there. I'm Kyle, and we'll catch you later.